Chue for today is back with a 2022 Second Amendment recap. From New York to North Korea, I mean, California, <laughs> the Democratic People's Republic of California, we have seen significant changes in the law and our opponent's strategies. On today's show, we're gonna break down what we believe to be the four most significant pieces of 2A legislation in 2022. And our 2A for today, Modern Militia Woman Spotlight is on a 23-year-old woman who jacked up a gang of carjackers. She was prepared and ready to act. The carjackers didn't even have a chance. Welcome to 2A for today. for today's a program where we explore all things Second Amendment, all things that protect, threaten, and violate the God-given and Second Amendment protected rights of all Americans. My name is Zoe and I'm the host of 2A for Today. Number one, Bruins Domino Effect. The first most significant piece of Second Amendment legislation in 2022 was the June Supreme Court ruling for New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. versus Bruin. In Bruin, the U.S. Supreme Court found the New York State's concealed carry law was unconstitutional. Duh. Because it required proper cause for an individual to obtain a concealed carry permit. The New York law that Bruin struck down was over a century old, and this is considered to be one of the most monumental decisions that the Supreme Court has handed down concerning the Second Amendment in several decades. As a result, a new precedent was set for gun control legislation, with many states' gun control laws now being challenged. The National Association for Gun Rights has sued several states and cities to end their assault weapons bans, including the Illinois cities of Highland Park and Naperville, and states like Connecticut, Massachusetts, Colorado, and Hawaii. In Colorado, a judge recently blocked an assault weapons ban following a lawsuit filed by the Rocky Mountain gun owners. Broome was also cited by U.S. District Judge Joseph R. Goodwin in West Virginia, whose ruling, if it withstands appeal, would abolish a federal law requiring firearms to have serial numbers. Goodwin will use an example of a law-abiding citizen buying a gun with a serial number on it and then removing the serial number. At that point, the citizen could be prosecuted federally for his possession of it. That's the definition of an infringement of one's right to possess a firearm. He also went on to make the case that if a citizen died and left his gun collection to his law-abiding daughter, she would inherit the weapon and then also be in possession of an illegal firearm despite the fact that it was illegally purchased by her father, and despite the fact that she was not the person who removed the serial number. These scenarios make clear that Section 922K is far more than the mere commercial regulation the government claims it to be. Rather, it's a blatant prohibition on possession. The Bruin decision was monumental for a couple of reasons. The court held that New York's proper cause requirement for a concealed carry license violated the 14th Amendment, preventing law-abiding citizens from exercising their Second Amendment rights. But perhaps the deepest implication of Bruin was the ruling's explicit refusal to allow the interest-balancing tests that the courts have been using for years when ruling on gun legislation. According to Mark Oliva, the Managing Director of Public Affairs for the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the interest-balancing tests came from a dissent, not even the decision itself, to the 2008 Heller decision. But Olivoff says that many of the courts are still using this interest balancing test anyway. Does it infringe upon your individual rights? And then does the government have the ability to infringe upon the Second Amendment in the name of public safety? Bruin ruled that this two-part test is unconstitutional. 
The Second Amendment is the very product of an interest balancing by the people, and it surely elevates above all other interests the right of law-abiding responsible citizens to use arms. Here's a caveat. I don't fully agree with the Bruin decision. I reject the incorporation doctrine, which interprets the law in a way that applies the Bill of Rights to the states. It's not an originalist proposition, to say the least. I believe it's a fundamental error, and though there are many arguments in the Bruin opinion that I fully agree with, I believe it's an error for the court to adopt the position that the federal government should make sweeping decisions that veto state power. If the Supreme Court would cease to be the de facto savior of our rights, then it would have more time to devote to overseeing Congress's trespass and our own district courts, which have been using that loose interpretation, the incorporation doctrine, to expand federal power almost without restraint. And the Bruin decision is really no exception. Number two, New York's Concealed Carry Improvement Act's parallel domino effect. The Bruin decision didn't deter Governor Kathy Hochul in her push for more gun control legislation. <laughs> So this brings us to our second most significant to a legislation in 2022. In July, Hochul signed the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, the CCIA. This legislation makes it illegal to carry a gun in public places such as churches, schools, subways, and Times Square. It also makes issuing concealed carry permits dependent on completion of hours of training, good moral character, along with a review of every applicant's social media activity from the past three years. So did Zuckerberg ban you from Facebook? Gun rights advocates immediately won a temporary restraining order against New York's new law. According to Michael Hill at the Associated Press, the end result was a licensing scheme that prohibited people from carrying a handgun for self-defense, unless the applicant could persuade licensing officials that they wouldn't use it to hurt themselves or others. U.S. District Judge Glenn Sutterby, the judge that struck down several elements of the law, had this to say about the hastily cobbled code. Instead of moving toward becoming a shell-issue jurisdiction, New York State has further entrenched itself in a shall-not-issue jurisdiction. And by doing so, it has further reduced a first-class constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense into a mere request. After a brief game of ping-pong in the federal courts, the Second Circuit has granted the state's request for an emergency interim stay pending additional consideration by an appellate panel. So, Hochul's chokehold on gun rights in New York remains in place temporarily. Like Bruin, though, the CCIA has had a parallel domino effect, affecting restrictive concealed carry laws signed in other states. A California bill similar to New York's CCIA failed to pass the legislature by one vote. In early October, New Jersey unveiled its version, which includes stipulations such as disqualifying concealed carry applicants who have passed restraining orders or other character of temperament concerns, similar to the CCIA's good moral character requirement. You don't just jerk it out. That's dangerous. Smoothly and safely. <laughs> Such requirements, though, are accused of having racist roots. Democrats are fast going back to their old tactics. The bill also requires permit holders to carry insurance to protect against accidental discharge. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy ended 2022 by signing this bill into law. And two gun rights groups are already suing to have this law overturned. Number three, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. The only federal gun control bill that passed both the House and Senate this year was the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, signed by President Joe Biden in June. This is the third most significant piece of two-way legislation in 2022. Likely, the main reason this bill was able to pass through both houses of Congress 
is that it doesn't ban or place restrictions on specific types of firearms like H.R. 1808, the assault weapons ban of 2021. Instead, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act focuses on dumping hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars into mental health programs, particularly in the school system. But there's a red flag. It's a red flag law. Congress, the Democrats, and covenant-breaking Republicans included are constantly writing and passing bills that are not pursuant to the powers enumerated to it by the Constitution. Then they create agencies and grant programs to bribe states to do what they are not enumerated power to do or could not get the votes to enact. They consistently write bills that trample the Second and Fourth Amendment. This dumpster fire of a bill is par for the course for them. And we'll examine this bill in more detail in the next episode of 2A for Today. This bill would not have even gotten out of the Senate if it wasn't for some gun rights advocates taking the bait, like the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which has fallen victim to the dissimulation and fake promises in the language of this bill. The bill claims to require those who take the bribe to not use the tools to trespass the constitutionally protected rights of citizens. But who gets to determine if they did or not? The grow big government courts and their sitting philosopher kings? The bill's expansion of background check requirements for persons under 21 years of age will likely be applied to everyone. 10 days turns into 30 really slowly when the federal government is adjudicating. We talked about the negative impact of expanding background checks to 10 days in a previous episode. The bill also offers bribes to states to include juvenile records in the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. It also tightens restrictions on those convicted of domestic violence. Even more problematic is the new trafficking illegal firearms federal crime that it creates. They added vague, reasonable cause to believe language and a conspiracy clause that enables federal agents to use honeypot gaslight doctrine on would-be criminals to radicalize them before they're radicalized by someone else. That kind of pre-crime legislation enables prosecutors to put great pressure on folks who haven't even yet committed the crime, but were planning to, even if their co-conspirator was a confidential human source, better known as a Fed. Prosecutors use bad conspiracy law to help them keep a high conviction rate because the victims of their travesty of justice will take a plea deal rather than languish in pre-trial detention or spend tens of thousands of dollars fighting the federal government. Listen. At 2A for today, we're all for following the law and punishing those that violate it. Law-abiding citizens, however, shouldn't have restrictions imposed on their right to keep and bear arms. And Congress shouldn't be writing laws that enable the federal government to skirt the Constitution and do unconstitutional end-arounds. Criminals get punished in our system. Well, maybe not all of them. It's time we put an end to Congress going beyond restricting criminals that are convicted to restricting the law-abiding without due process especially pre-crime legislation that they rely on loose and amorphous definitions like unstable tendencies reported by the hearsay of a family member or the subjective opinion of a mental health professional. Red flag laws are a massive trespass of the liberty of American citizens. As a note, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is the first major federal gun control bill that has passed in nearly 30 years. Number four, Gavin Newsom's war on the firearms industry. In 2005, Congress passed the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, which shields gun manufacturers and dealers from civil suits when crimes are committed using the guns that they produce. Gavin Newsom, though, is ready to dismantle the precedent, and this brings us to our fourth most significant piece of 2A legislation in 2022. Governor Newsom signed a package of five gun control pills in July, which placed heavy regulations on gun manufacturers and put them at severe risk of legal liability. A catalyst for some of this legislation is the Texas Heartbeat Act, 
SB 8 abortion law, which incentivizes private citizens to report doctors and other healthcare providers that perform abortion services made illegal under the bill. Newsom applies this same type of formula to gun manufacturers in his bill, SB 1327, as was applied to abortion providers in the Texas bill. There's one problem though. Ending a baby's life isn't exactly the same as selling a firearm, which could be used for many altruistic purposes, including hunting or food. Empowerment and companionship developed through competitive shooting and protection for yourself and those around you. Abortions just kill somebody. SB 1327 can cost gun manufacturers at least $10,000 in damages if they're sued by private citizens. If Texas is going to use this legal framework to essentially outlaw abortion and harm women, all with the Supreme Court's blessing, California is going to use it to save lives and take AR-15s off the streets, said State Senator Bob Hertzberg, who authored SB 1327. But thankfully, SB 1327 was struck down, and the district court judge that struck it down has struck down several reams of California's policy malpractice during Newsom's tenure, including ammunition restrictions that Newsom championed and California's longstanding ban on so-called assault weapons. Some of the other tyrannical bills in the package Newsom signed, such as AB 1594, go as far as suing gun manufacturers that sell firearm precursor parts that are used to build a firearm that's later used in the commission of a crime. Another point of concern is that some of the clauses in the bills are extremely vague, like the reasonable controls clause. Reasonable controls means reasonable procedures, acts, or practices that are designed, implemented, and enforced to do the following. Prevent the sale or distribution of a firearm-related product to a straw purchaser, a firearm trafficker, a person prohibited from possessing a firearm under state or federal law, or a person who the firearm industry member has reasonable cause to believe is at substantial risk of using a firearm-related product to harm themselves or another, or of possession or using a firearm-related product unlawfully. <laughs> the reasonable controls requirement reminds me of the equally ambiguous and open to interpretation good moral character clause in New York CCIA we talked about earlier. Who gets to define what is or is not reasonable? And then have the power to abridge an individual or business's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Generations of our countrymen have poured out their blood, sweat, and tears to preserve what these communist fools will sign away with the flick of a pen. And finally, our 2A for today modern militia woman as a 23-year-old Chicago woman who jacked up a gang of carjackers. She was prepared and ready to act. The carjackers didn't even have a chance. It was 2 a.m. when four men spilled out of a black sedan and approached the woman who was sitting in her vehicle. One of the carjackers pulled out a gun. Without hesitation, our modern militia woman shot the assailant in the head, exited the vehicle, and ran for her life. I ran for my life. Ain't nobody got time for that. Though, she did get shot in the arm by one of the other carjackers while she was running away. The young woman was taken to the hospital to treat the injury, and she was reported to be in fair condition. The carjacker that she jacked up, however, was also brought to the hospital in critical condition. But the other three carjackers fled the scene. Another awesome example of a young female empowered in the face of extreme danger by exercising her right to keep and bear arms. That concludes our program for today, but again, in the coming weeks and months, 2A for Today will be talking to experts, scholars, trainers, and all forms of gun right activists and Second Amendment proponents to answer the many questions that we all have and unpack the various laws and trespasses of our rights that have already been enacted and those that are on the horizon. 
Hey, again, if the Second Amendment's important to you, make sure to subscribe to the New American Magazine, get on the top daily headlines mailing list, and get an email alert anytime we upload a video or stream a live event. And share these videos with your family and friends who feel the same, or those that are riding the fence between liberty and tyranny who need a little more convincing. You've been watching 2A for today. My name is Zoe. Post your comments or questions, and we'll try to address as many as we can as fast as we can in the coming weeks and months. So thank you for watching 2A for today.